Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we discuss two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your three co-hosts, Carlos Cooper, and with me as always, Joe Hilliard and Dave Gurney. And today, you guessed it, we're talking beer and movies, and we are doing it in that order. So first up, we have a beer. That's right. Uh... We're going to start things off with a beer from Nightmare Brewing Company, which uh, will tie into some of the theme of this episode. And this is their beer called Drawn and Quartered. It is a New England IPA. We've been having a lot of those lately, but hey, hasn't everybody? Tis the season. (laughs) And uh, it is 10% ABV, so it is an imperial New England IPA, I would say. Uh, it is quadruple dry hopped with Nelson Savin, Galaxy, Enigma, and Citra hops. And Nightmare is located in New York State. So this is my first time having a Nightmare beer. I, I love the label art. It's um, fantastic, yeah. Yeah, very, very elaborate. Very on theme. Nightmare Brewing, I haven't looked, into, I haven't looked into them. I imagine with the uh, Grim Reaper with two sides uh, as their logo, mm-hmm. all of their can art looks like this. All of the bottle art's got to be nightmare Right. I would hope so. Probably not too many kittens and puppies on there. Uh-huh. However, kittens and puppies would be a good tie-in for this episode in certain Undead ways. ones. That's right. Undead kittens and puppies. Yeah. Because we're talking about Pet Cemetery. Yes. Not the original, but the 2019 John Lithgow vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how we're thinking of this? It's the that's how I'm thinking about it. You know, that's probably the best angle to take on and it. And he's certainly the biggest star as far as name recognition in the film. I think you're right, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, but before we get into talking about the film, at least, uh, you know, this this pours really nicely. It's a good hazy IPA. It's nice and... Uh, it's not super hazy. Let's calm down. No, but, but it's hazy. I mean, it, it is not a... It's not a clear IPA by any any stretch. It There's is a lack of transparency. Nice yellow-orange color, and uh, boy, I like the no- nose on that. That is lovely citrusy. Yeah, did you bring two of these in case the conversation goes long? Mm, <laughs> All right. I don't know. The 10% should get us through. <laughs> All right, but um, we are going to be talking about Pet Cemetery, um, As Carlos said, we are going to focus at least on the first half on this newer... Um, Remake, I guess we the could best call it. Stephen King adaptation of all time. Said who? <laughs> you haven't seen the marketing. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh. You you are somehow social media has you dialed in, dude. I'm as te- the guy who's getting sold, everything's the best. This happened with us. They, we're, yeah, we're it did. Talking? It did. I'm getting very absolute marketing. To you, I mean, you, I've seen it. I I, yeah, I believe you need you. to take superlative off of one of your uh, <laughs> interests. Well, well, they were. They, that's. I mean. That has been used as a piece of marketing for this thing. And it will be used on the next Stephen King adaptation. Well, of course it will, but it's crazy. Like, get the fuck out of here. It is crazy. I mean, even even if you like this film, which... I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine anybody. Yeah, and to make I think we we can skip the, the plot. I mean, and maybe go straight to spoilers uh, and and how this film deviates plot wise from right. the uh, original well, a, film yeah. and the, and the book. Sure, it's a fairly basic plot. I mean, you have a family that is newly moved to this area. To it's Maine. kind of out in the woods. It's in Maine. Is this a, is this an That's accurate right. portrayal of Maine? It, it is in certain ways, although it was shot in Canada. But <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what do you call Welcome somebody from Maine? A Mainer. A Mainer? Yeah. Okay. Mainer. As a Mainer. Yeah. 
Do you do I feel like it was an accurate depiction? Do, of, do you uh, do you relate to it? Are you sympathetic to the portrayal of your of your homeland? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's funny that most portrayals of Maine on screen it or seems like are well shot in Canada, but also are Stephen King adaptations. Uh, I mean, he, isn't he from he, there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, absolutely. I don't know. Did you... well if if you grew up in Maine, you would absolutely. Okay, know, I, I'm not a Stephen King stan, so he, I don't he know is about. one of the. Uh, one of probably the most prominent Mainers. popular culture export of Maine, <laughs> yeah, other okay. than lobsters. I mean, it's like yeah, yeah, Stephen yeah. King and lobsters, yeah, and you're yeah. kind of yeah. Did they get the pet cemetery part right? Did it look like yours? <laughs> okay, the one so, behind my house. Yeah, yeah, because exactly. yeah. everyone in Maine has a pet cemetery. Um, everyone right. in Maine buys a house, but doesn't look at the survey that you get, or doesn't even look at the you, house. You get a no you get a copy of when no. you sign the, the yeah. Title. Right. So. The movie's about a family that goes there, and then, right. like, you know, stuff happens. We're they not res- skip the plot? Okay, go ahead. They resurrect a couple of otherwise deceased entities, right. uh, varying entities. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, mayhem ensues. Right. And that's right. about it. And despite the movie being called Pet Cemetery. The actual pet cemetery is really not that important. No, it's it's sort of a and there's very few undead pets. There's just the one. Yeah, right. And then and then there's a um, discussion of another one. But yeah, you you when only I, ever see one. When I hear a movie called Pet Cemetery, I think a bunch of undead pets are going to wreak havoc upon the huh. town. So was this your first experience with pets? Didn't see the original. Okay, but and you have nor had you read the novel. No. Stephen King's a terrible writer, so I don't read any of his work. <laughs> okay. um, but wow. I've, tr- I've I've attempted and never finished, and I will not try again. Um, As a Mainer, I might need to leave right now. <laughs> no, I just I I have a finite amount of time in my day and in my life, and I just don't need to like spend it like that. But I will say, big fan of the Ramones song. <laughs> not a not a big fan of the cover at the end of this motion picture. Do yeah, who, who gauge, is that? Do, uh, star something. Star something. Yeah. Do you gauge Stephen King's writing abilities? Is the, the most successful American novelist of all time uh, through the film adaptations, or have you tried to read no, a few books? I, I, I've tried to read some of his work, okay. and I just don't think that it's that good. Let um, me let me take this moment. Neither are most of the adaptations. Let me take this moment to say that uh, the Stephen King is the greatest American living novelist that lives currently. <laughs> I have probably read every single word he's ever written, except for a few I books that I'm catching. That. <laughs> Catching up with, I currently Joe have, is pretty hardcore with Stephen. I, King. But, I mean, I have a, a uh, spreadsheet at my house with every word that Stephen King has ever written in chronological order of of writing it, and I'm making my way through that list, reading for the second, third, fourth, or fifth time many of the books. That so while you're insane. the while you're the basketball guy, <laughs> and and David, you're our resident kind of know it all about uh, some of the more obscure facts of film and and, and beer. Right. I'm, I'll be the Stephen King guy, and and I will wear that crown with with. I'm with happy to relish. give you that crown, and we I need. A, I mean, certainly. I mean, we need one, and I'm excited that you have that. And right. So that being said, I, th- I think Carlos is just learning. He didn't realize after laying out the resume. Yeah, I will say that this is a horrible movie. That no horrible. One, that no Ooh, one should see. It's hmm. it is a utter waste of time. It, it is bad. Oh okay. my god, I'm so falling into okay. my typical pattern. You are. You yeah. are. And, even, okay. Here. I mean, I don't even like. Now here this comes movie. David. <laughs> here comes David to 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 fill to to defend whatever we're talking about. It's okay. So uh, the the two main things that I have to say about this film, or, or at least my reaction to it, uh-huh. is uh, okay. So the first is. 
that mid viewing we went and saw it like in the theater and everything obviously Mm because it just came out and mid viewing i thought to myself i was like man i think the only thing i'm going to have to say about this is that this is a film that is not worth discussing Mm. and i was saddened by that because normally at least when we watch a movie i don't like i really i mean i still have something to say about it then the second part before and before i reveal this second uh, reaction that I had. There are two things that I should say about myself. The first is that I do not like talking on the phone to anybody. Mm-hmm. And talking to my mother often very much frustrates me, um, especially on the phone, because she'll call me and say something that she very easily could have texted. And uh, <laughs> mid movie, I got so bored that my mom called me uh-huh. in the middle of it. And, and I thought I should go call. out and return the wow. spot. <laughs> Wow. So I did two. Of, I did my combo least favorite things: talking on the phone and talking on the phone to my mother, who probably could have just texted me whatever rather it was. And which is true, she could have just texted see. me what she called me during the movie That's for. That's awesome. And I would have rather wow. gone out into the hall and done that than continue watching this film. The only thing that got me through it was John That's, Lithgow. Now, see, that should be one of the the quotes that they use for for the film when they sell it. Is like this film will get you to take a call from your mother. Right. You know, <laughs> imagine that nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. so that okay. was that was that was my reaction. That was my right. viewing of it. And I'm glad to hear that from someone who's not a King fan, because half the audience are going to be the folks that, that watched the first movie and want to see the remake, never seen the first or, movie, you know. So not and, even comparing. And the first film in the context of when it was released was a very decent Stephen King adaptation. That's what I've heard. You watch it now and it looks a little bit dated, but other than that, it is you know it it, it does a okay job. And of course, you've got the Ramones closing right. out the, the credits when the credits roll. What a great song! Right. And so yeah, the video. I watched it in prep for this. Yeah. I have not seen the video. Whoa, horrible! But you know, it's eighty. It's exactly what they would have done. Yeah. Um, they did it. This <laughs> film should be an improvement on the original film. Why else make a remake of anything unless right. you're going to try to improve on the original? And so, uh, and Carlos, you're making a dollar figure oh. finger yeah. motion, and that is Why the truth. That's another reason to, to adapt anything Stephen right. King right and, now and, with the success of it and, and, and his entire career. Which I have thoughts about. Career. Uh, but then you've got the idea, though, that in 2019, with the uh, advancement since the, the original, with special effects and computer effects and the, the tone of horror that, is at, that has evolved to where we are now from then, you can do something really, really exciting. The spoiler alert, the twist is everyone expects Gage, the son, right. to die, which we've seen on film and we've read that book, yeah. but the daughter dies instead. So now Who's not got- in it? Not in the original? No, the they, there is the an daughter, older daughter it, who she's is largely... not the one who gets hit. She's not the one who gets hit uh, by the okay. truck. Right. Yeah. Gage, know... the little boy, is the one that gets okay. hit. I was and they're both out in the road in this film, so they're clearly... Mm-hmm. They're, they're playing. They're fucking around that. with See, people that... That, that, was, that was the scene that I went outside to call my mom. <laughs> and so I met... Probably the best scene in the entire film. So when I, when I got back in, she was on the side of the road, and the dad like ran over to her. Mm-hmm. And... A sign of like a pretty underwhelming movie is that I was like, oh, okay, so the cat probably came back and probably caused her to get hit by this truck. Now he is probably going to do the thing that he did with the No, truck. no, what, what got him hit by the truck was the notion that the trucks drive by every day and it's a danger. I mean, that's... Well, yeah, but it was the cat that got her to go out in the road. Yeah. In she this saw the version. Cat. Yeah. 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 It, well, but I'm just saying when I came back from it, uh, I knew that. The evil like, cat I did, got I did, a girl killed. I didn't need to see that. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was... 
uh, super obvious. I guess there was meetings where they said we've got to do something different than the original film. And in yeah. the original film, they set up... It's not a great movie, but they set up the reason why she cares about her sister and thinks about her sister. And the reason why uh, Judd is who Judd is. There's no character development for no, this I, I There's will... no character development for any characters. It is just bang to the next plot point, bang to the next plot point. With, yeah. no, with no subtle... Anything to, to, to well, I wouldn't call the original adaptation subtle. If anything, I would say this one. Who was, is Pascal and why is he here and what what is the bond? Well, that that there's there is, no development. Yeah, there's no development. No. So therefore, it's just spooky stuff. Yeah. And I hate horror movies that do that. We're just going to show you some spooky stuff. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. I want to know. And tell I me get, a great story. This wasn't it. I get that. I I feel like they were so okay. Let me defend it slightly. I do not love it. Let me say first, though, I do not recommend that people go spend their hard-earned money Mm -mm. to see this film in the theater. This is one that I think, if you're a King fan, if you have that fascination, if you want to see what they're doing with it when it's on Netflix, when it's on cable, something like that, go go for it. You know, sit down and watch it. It's not a film that's worth going to see. The strengths in it, I think, are the acting. I thought uh, John Lithgow. As the Judd character, while I agree with you, they don't give that character enough development. We don't get much of his backstory. I did like the performance, and I like seeing John Lithgow on film. He's good at being kind of creepy. Yeah, he he's he's got that like subtle like he's a nice guy, but there's just something under the surface there, and it's been played. You know, Brian De Palma has used it many. That's times. That's what I was gonna say. Is he in his recent episode on WTF talked yeah. about? how De Palma always wanted to cast right. him as the opposite of what everyone else wanted to cast him right. as. Right. Because he, he seems like, like such think, a sweet... Do you think like, I'm creepy? Like, why do you always want to... You yeah, know, he likes, yeah. He mentioned something about yeah. that. But, I mean, he's great in Dexter. Yes, he's I mean, great in Dexter. Good so, God. I mean, I mean, it's probably the best season of so Dexter. So we've seen him oh, do this. Oh, God. And, and this, it kind of almost plays against that, against, you know, again, because it's like the creepiness. Well, he's not really the creep. You know, he does... Make a bad decision. He has a menacing aura about him, but he's been infected by this thing, right? Yeah. So that so it kind of makes sense why he's he's pulled back to it. So I liked him. I actually like Jason Clark, who I don't know from a lot of other roles, but the guy who played Lewis. He looks familiar. One, he, yeah, he's been in stuff. I just I feel couldn't. like they trimmed thirty minutes off of a better cut, but they knew the audience could no way stand through thirty minutes longer. If I had to sit through thirty more minutes of that, I swear. Yeah. But all of the character development and all of the because what's what Stephen King's book is about is death, how we react to it. Mm-hmm. His the the the, the, the wife right. uh, uh, dealt with a death. Early on, the yeah. you know, it's, uh, the husband deals with death in the medical profession and came here to get away from a more high stress right. emergency room right. type death, death, death. And then uh, there is a death, so I'm not going to be able to escape death, and I really can't escape it because a figure is uh, there's a spiritual guide, as there's a spiritual uh, property behind, right. behind my home, yeah, which. I never understood from the very beginning. You never looked at the survey. I mean, but okay, whatever. So, um, yeah, he has no idea where his property is. How far ends. back? Yeah. Well, you know, that actually, as it, a Mainer, mm-hmm. rings somewhat true. That, you know, people buy plots of land where they'll have a home on it, but they'll own like 50 acres behind it, and it's all woods. And so they're I, not going back there and clearing it. It's just like, okay, I own that. Maybe someday it gets developed. Maybe it never does. Right, so they, but this is a popular place where every child in the town knows about. 
well, for that, generations. That little spot, of course, before in, you in go, the shallow woods. Right. I mean, they have to go far back. Right. It, it doesn't talk about why the old man took him back there. It does not really explore it. He's there, there to dig a hole at the pet cemetery, and he kind of goes, "Oh yeah, and by the way, before we, let's just go over this hill now." You know. So right. He that, all of that development stuff's gone, and you're left right. with a not not really a scary movie with a few gore points and, and a couple of jump scares. It's a horrible, horrible uh, entry into the canon of what horror is wow. in late 2010s. It adds nothing to this yeah. genre. And with that pedigree, it could have added so much. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I'm not going to defend it too much. <laughs> like I said, I think, I think there's some good performances in there. Um, I do think... It, for me, I remember the original adaptation. I read the novel when I was a kid, and then I saw the film adaptation roughly at the same time, late 80s, mm-hmm. right? 89, mm-hmm. I think the first one came out. And so I would have been about 11 years old. And I and, rem- and that was when King was burning hot. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's cooled off that much, but yes, you're right. He was huge. Yeah. And I remember being scared out of my mind especially by the zelda character the the yeah. sister who in the film you know, the, yeah oh yeah yeah the flashback. I, I don't like to watch that now which is actually i didn't realize it until i was doing a little bit of research for this was played by a male stuntman um because they couldn't find apparently a female actor who was bony enough <laughs> like oh, they wanted somebody and i guess this guy who did stunts was you know his physique was mm-hmm that way and they were like yeah we could use you in that so and i remember being so creeped yeah. out because it's spinal meningitis like all twisted and, this and then she of, comes to springs to life yes yeah. yeah yeah so i remember that being and in this movie terrifying. she's just a corpse that falls down a dumb waiter yeah i mean it's it's a jump scare moment yeah. but it's not anywhere near as mm-hmm. bone chilling and and part of that may be due to my age too when i was 11 versus now when i'm 40 mm-hmm. it, it doesn't seem as scary but um, it, it was, you know, to That's me... That's so true. That's so true. No, you're right. That is <laughs> right. true. But, but to me, you, you know, it, it was a lost um, opportunity, right? You're saying... Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think this needed to be an effects-driven film by any means, but I do think they could have done a better job with that and, and a few of the other things, even, like the cat when it comes back is kind of like... Yeah, I like the look of the like cat. The cat you looks did? just mangy yeah, and wild I mean, and feral. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. Yeah. I, I I thought the um, makeup with the girl when she comes back was pretty good, but yeah, and I, I did think that actually that actress was pretty did a pretty good job as well, especially when she came back. The young girl. Yeah, I thought I thought she was sure convincing enough as the sort of undead, strange. Um, we as an audience didn't love Judd. so his death is just peripheral because he's a human that lives right. nearby. I mean, you know, yeah, it would have been any neighbor otherwise. Right. I, I think, again... See, this can never be a body count movie because there, there weren't any no. bodies around. So no. the horror, the terror has to come from the interaction. Right. It has to come from the, the fear of what, you, of what we're going to get. Yeah. And, and they didn't... Like, church didn't come back so evil that we were anticipating the idea that a human would come back even more evil. And then in the book and the first film where they talk about, oh, this is an abomination to put a human in there. Right. Every, you know... 
all of that is gone. Right. Anyway, well, there, right. no, and, and in the film and in the not the earlier film and in the novel, you hear the story of the World War Two, right? The yeah. World War Two mm-hmm. uh, soldier mm-hmm. who who dies mm-hmm. and then is tried, you know, brought back there, and how that goes awry. You see it very briefly as like a press clipping when right. uh, Lewis is looking through to ca- like when he starts investigating one night on on the computer to catch. Yes, see, like, that's, what's right. Going on. that's right. You see it very briefly, but they don't develop it at all they don't really you know for for again for somebody who's a fan already maybe that they're thinking oh that's enough we're just giving you that little little hint of it yeah exactly we don't need to develop it we don't think it's that important but i do think you're right that it it, it's an integral part where like no this isn't the first time that humans have been brought back there this isn't the first time that people have messed with this Mm -hmm. um in the book and the first film you fall in love with judd so his death is Right, uh, really crippling, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the universe of the pop I agree. culture, and that you're and watching. given how good Lithgow is, but I think you could all... have had that. With right, this. the husband gets the most screen time. Everyone else is peripheral. Yeah, we don't care. I mean, we do care. We're not sociopaths. Right, but uh, we don't care that they that they die. Right. It's just so well, you've yeah. mentioned one yeah. twist. I'll, I'll just throw out there. You know, the, the other. I think twist in terms of if you're somebody who knows the earlier versions. The way it ends, right? I mean, the ending of the novel and the 89 film, it's the wife coming back, right? And here, yes, the wife comes back, but then we're also getting Lewis being killed by the wife after she's come back, and then the whole family coming back and coming after Gage as the the final moment of the film. Um, I didn't find it as effective. We don't care. Yeah. I mean, well... I guess I do in the fact, you know, like a two-year-old being How's attacked gonna, yeah. by an undead family right. is kind of creepy and sad. <laughs> but yeah, it, it didn't, I don't know, somehow when it was the husband and wife and this husband has done this thing and the wife is coming back for him and you know it's going to be bad, but it kind of just leaves you there. I think that was a more effective ending. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess we're all kind of agreeing that the uh, 2019 version of Pet Cemetery was not much of a nightmare. Yeah. What about Nightmare Brewing, folks? <laughs> With this drawing quartered, I've, I've got one more thing to say about this movie. Okay, um, you already mentioned that the Zelda thing doesn't really add up to much in this movie. Uh-huh. Um, the daughter comes back, and the way that I feel like she's portrayed in this movie is is if she has some kind of agenda, as if there's some kind of motivation for what she's doing. Like when whatever she comes back, when she comes back and starts killing people, like right. whatever spirit or supernatural entity brought her back has some kind of like goal for her to achieve to like there's a reason she's killing right. these people but there's not mm-hmm. it just kind of seems like that and so that doesn't add up to anything but my biggest problem with this movie was that Judd's reasoning for helping Lewis bring the cat back is that he had tried to bring his dog back right? who didn't come back right but his dog was already kind of mean in the yeah. first place. <laughs> and so he thought that because Church was a nice cat and that Church might, that come, church back. might come back okay right. and then Church doesn't but then when the daughter kills him she implies that he had tried to bring his wife back well, she she says like she, your wife is in hell. And she says something, and I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. But me and Kylie both, and we're thinking everyone that, that I've talked to about this yeah. film, 
got the idea that some there was a thing that she said that made it seem as if he had done that. Oh, yeah, and I didn't catch that. And if yeah. and if and if they were okay, and I, I it's it's possible I could have misread it, but if they were trying to insinuate that, then his whole reasoning for helping bring church back just goes out the window. I might have been blinded by the original source material. That does not occur in the book. So no. yeah. So I, I may not have looked for that because I didn't expect and, to and see honestly it. I don't I was kind of thinking they were going that way, but then when when and then she, she jumps said, out of a closet. That'd be kind of well. Cool. When she said that, when it worked. Ellie, right? Yeah. When Ellie says that, I believe what she said was something along the lines of like, "I, you know, I've seen your wife in hell or something." She does. Like, she does say those things, but there. I wish I could remember what it was. There is something she said other than that, because she does. Because she does do that. That makes it seem as if. Yeah. Uh, and Carlos, but, in yeah, the, in the book, Pascal, the guy that dies, it, it's 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 so different. He's 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 a through line for the entire book, and he speaks to the daughter. Pascal is Jed. Pascal. Yeah. Pascal is the guy that gets killed, the young man that gets killed at his first day of work or second day of the work. The one who dies whatever. and then like rises up and talks, talks to him. Talks to him throughout oh, the film. Oh, yeah, that didn't make any fucking sense either. <laughs> and it doesn't make much sense in the first movie, although they do a better job. But in the book, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. In this one, Victor, right, is his name? Yeah, Victor, Victor Pascal. Pascal. Victor, and okay. That's his last name. Pascal. Uh, the reason why I say Pascal is that the daughter's role in the book is to get the mother back after they leave. Okay. Because so, Pascal, as she pronounces it, is appearing in his, her drink. Yeah, so he, so he is just some random fucking dude. Yeah. And it makes no sense why he keeps popping up again. Correct. And also... Okay, now, granted, I've never seen anybody that has been very recently struck by a car. Uh-huh. But that dude did not look like he got hit by a car. That dude looked like he got mauled by something. Right. Yeah. You know, like, it was just like... Right, right. I, I mean, I thought something terrible had happened to him. I mean, obviously getting hit by a car is terrible. But in I the, thought something, like, really violent and grotesque had happened. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, he got hit by a car. And I was like, whoa! In the, book, <laughs> in the book, it's just the worst road rash you can imagine. Oh, so that his man. entire skin and bones have been peeled away from his Yeah, head. that, that yeah. was... Anyway, anyway, all right. So, yeah, we're talking about the this beer. This beer, though, yeah. Right. I'm actually... Um, I'm thinking this is a bit of a nightmare. I was going to say I'm, I'm neutral on it. I'm I, completely neutral. I'm it's honestly, not horrible. It's not great. It's it's, it's got a strange too kind of cloying with the malt. Like it's got too much maltiness to yeah, it. And I mean, I guess malty. it's you know you kind of expect that with a with a double or imperial IPA, I guess. But it's just it's not balanced. This is it's quadruple, quadruple hopped, quadruple dry hopped. Yeah. I'm not getting that. I mean, like, I get the hops on the nose, yeah. but then when I'm drinking it, it's kind of just like the bitterness of the hops and the sweet maltiness. And I'm just, I don't know. This is yeah, this one's falling flat. But I'm going to pay the compliment. I'd like to try more nightmare beers. I'd like to see. Oh, I'm sure. I if, don't. Yeah, if, if we got a bad. Batch I don't, don't want to judge a brewery on if this isn't the strongest beer. recipe. But I'm neutral on it. I, I I don't think I'd seek it out again. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm honestly, I'm beyond neutral. I think I am negative yeah. on this one. Yeah, that, that one didn't even wash the failure from our mouth. How is that, try, man? We we're gonna have to try terrible again. Terrible pairing. We're this gonna time. have to try again. All right. With round two, uh, we'll we'll crack open another beer, and uh, as we've kind of hinted at we're going to open up the discussion to talking more generally about stephen king adaptations i can't wait and uh how that's played out on film in the past
Oh, good God. The first half of this episode was not great. The, hey, the episode's been fantastic. The episode has been fantastic. The movie we talked about was not great. The beer we had was, depending on who you ask, acceptable or not great. Yeah. So we are going to... I feel, like, I feel worse about giving the beers like bad reviews than the films. Well, uh, you know, I'm hey, the opposite. I think. <laughs> okay, okay. Way more time was put into the films than the beers. Yeah, that's true. That's right. true. Um, but we're going to lighten the episode up, and we're going to drink what we think is going to be a better beer, and we are right. going to talk about better Stephen King adaptations. Yes. So what is the beer that we have? Well, the beer that we have is, so if we're, we did Nightmare for the first half, Nightmare Brewing, uh, drawn and quartered. For this half, we're going to go for something a little dreamier. We're going with the Milkshake Dreams. This is a uh, milkshake IPA from Dionysus Brewing. They're out of Bakersfield, California. It is 6.4 ABV. The can says 6.8, David. I appreciate the correction you just gave me. This website is incorrect. <laughs> uh, 6.8 based on the can, and it is an IPA with lactose, vanilla, and uh, pink guava. And I'll, I'll also point out, it's not the first time that the website had different information. That's than the right. Game. And, that's, you know, uh, and I think true. from batch to batch, yeah. they, they changes. change up the recipe. So, yeah. you know, I may be looking at uh, one of the past ones, but so milkshake right. IPA. Yeah. Right. Once Vanilla we, bean, lactose, and pink guava. This might be right. my first guava beer I've ever consumed. I think it might be mine, too. Mm-hmm. The lactose is what makes it a milkshake IPA. Right. right. For uh, those interested parties out there. Yeah. It tends um, to... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us off with a kind of bold take, Ooh. as I'm prone to do here. My favorite St- Stephen King adaptation, 1408. Wow. Oh, with uh, John Cusack and the Haunted Hotel. The man, the myth, the legend himself, John Cusack. I'm a John Cusack fan. You better be. Because we do a podcast together. And if you were not, (laughs) you were in my home. I suggest uh, we do Better Off Dead. uh, I am game. Um, And I... uh, Okay, so... Why? Okay, outside of 1408, one thing I am going to say. I think the two objectively best Stephen King adaptations are The Shining and Christine. And just to uh, hearken back to my criticism of Stephen King as a writer, The Shining is a Stanley Kubrick movie. Mm -hmm. Christine is a John Carpenter movie. Without a really great visionary director behind an adaptation, they're fine. Mm -hmm. With a great visionary director, they're elevated to a a higher level of art than they would be otherwise. Um, That's a a bold and accurate take. Yeah, Christine is incredible. It makes sense. And underrated as far as Stephen King adaptations go. But 1408 is great. I think it's really. I think the reason I like it so much is because it's overlooked as far as Stephen King adaptations go. And I will also want to give honorable mention to Secret Window, starring oh. Johnny Depp, uh, with a f- transcendent performance from John Turturro in that movie. I think that one gets a uh, kind of a bad rap sometimes. And then I haven't al- seen that one. And then also Lawnmower Man. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lawnmower Man. That movie's bananas. La- Lawnmower Man <laughs> is pretty. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but uh, I definitely enjoyed it. But it's I, crazy. But I think your point, Carlos, about a 
a great filmmaker, a, gr- a great uh, director being behind a great adaptation is is spot on because it really does take, I mean, Stephen King can come up with an amazing premise, but then to translate that premise into something that works on the screen is a totally different thing, right? And I mean, I think famously, right, with one of the early ones, The Shining that you've pointed to, uh, you know, Which Stanley- you don't care for <laughs> <laughs> that is totally false. Listen back to the episode. You I did say never fuck the said, shining. Yes, but I never said because it's a bad film. I said fuck the shining in the sense that if we're gonna like force these films that deal with the supernatural to play by some kind of set of rules, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my problem. Okay, is my okay, problem is okay. like anytime we're gonna apply that like kind of we're gonna put logic on this. That's not what I'm there for. I am there for good imagery. I am there for compelling performances. I'm there for interesting cinematography. Good, clean, family fun. A cotton. (laughs) Dodgeball. But but back to Stephen King hated the shot. What Kubrick did initially, I think over the years his his view has softened. Uh, No, now he's still not a fan. But he's but it's gotten better than what it was. And it gets to like uh, continue. Well, I'm just saying that. So. You know, I think, you know, King has the mind to come up with these interesting scenarios that Mm -hmm. sort of shake us or upset us or get under our skin. But to put those on the screen is a different proposition. And he's tried to do it, right? He Mm -hmm. did with, was it Maximum Maximum Overdrive? Overdrive, Which we were lucky enough to see the trailer for in the Alamo Priest. Yeah, I missed that. Uh, I saw it. I saw it. What a piece of crap. Yeah, (laughs) and that's Stephen King directing his own words yeah. right and so when that happens all criticism of a uh, stanley kubrick kind of goes out the window because <laughs> you had an opportunity to show us how it should be done right even with the shining he said i'm going to endorse the stephen weber tell uh, stephen weber led television version of the shining which is going to be a uh, miniseries right which is going to be more faithful to my written word mm-hmm. and then you can see just how horrible an idea that would have Did been that happen yeah Really? Oh, really? Yeah, many okay. several years later, but many years ago. Oh yeah, ninety seven. Yeah. yeah, I did yeah. not know that. Why would anyone put Stephen Weber in such a thing? Uh, well, he was hot from wings at that point. Yeah, right? come I mean, on, he was riding the wings. wave of wings. I mean, um, but, what a ridiculous uh, show. But but that but that Stephen King can say out loud, I prefer this Shining adaptation to that Shining adaptation. The only reason why that's going to be the case is because it was more true to your to, writ, his story. to, your, yeah. to the yeah. book. But sometimes. The words in a book, as scary as they may be when you read them, mm-hmm. your imagination does a better job than any filmmaker ever could for right. those words. Right. And it gets back to uh, my the, me needing Carlos to understand that the, the Pascal character in Pet, Pet Cemetery was so much more integral in the book and makes the book even make sense. Mm-hmm. But when you... Uh, telescope that down to three scenes it doesn't make any sense at all and the only thing scary about it is a living dead person when you shouldn't see that in the world mm-hmm. you know uh so i think that's that's why stephen king adaptations fail he has the juice and the power now to get approval on everything and it's got to be kind of close to his words and those don't always translate to the big screen or small screen very right. well Although, you know, it's it's amazing when you look back at the filmography in terms of King adaptations, how many amazing filmmakers have been involved in them, right? I mean, right. we've already named a couple yeah. with 
uh, Kubrick and Carpenter. Master of Horror. <laughs> um, Cronenberg mm-hmm. doing The Dead Zone yep. very early on. Yep. The very first one, Brian De Palma doing Carrie, yeah. right? I mean, that's huge. I forgot that was a De Palma movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I, let me say this real quick, because you had said The Shining is the first one we think of, but chronologically, Carrie was his first novel. Oh, yeah. And Carrie was the first film. That's right. And if De Palma hadn't created... That was his first novel? What is yeah. a dated masterpiece. It's dated. Mm-hmm. When you watch Carrie, it's dated. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but if De Palma hadn't put that up on the screen sure. and, and, the, and, the, and the film success that that was, it would have altered, I think, Stephen King's career. Right. He had punch after punch after punch in a very short period of time, including... He's just doing so much blow. The car- <laughs> and This is pre-blow, I believe. The blow... blow oh, is, the blow came in and... The blow is Tommyknockers right. and Dark Half. and I mean, Well, uh, and Maximum Overdrive, Less, I yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking about his filmography. Right, right. I'm talking about the, the, the written word. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you were saying, though... Uh, well, so, you know, and then even as you go on, Right, Rob Reiner. Um, what did he do? He did Stand by Me. Oh, that's and, right. That's right. This. I forget. And, I forget so, that's a Stephen and, King adaptation. It's a Stephen and, King novella, uh, yeah. Misery, which, which actually is a really good movie. Great yeah, movie. Okay. movie. Brought great Kathy movie. Bates to great uh, movie. stardom. Yeah, yeah. great movie. And, and and Phil, it what when when she breaks his ankle with a sledgehammer. Yeah, that is a, that that is a visual thing. The hobbles mm. a visual thing that is a. Uh, departure from the from the original, where she cuts his foot off with an axe right. and cauterizes it. Yeah, uh, in the book. Right. Uh, so I mean, I think the sledgehammer's worse. Well, it's certainly yeah. worse visually, yeah. and the film is a visual medium. So there's a break from the thing. Because Rob Reiner's a great filmmaker. Stephen he King is. had to say. Yeah, yeah, that, that that works better that way. Yeah, and I think Stephen King also endorsed publicly either way the the, the idea that Ellie is the killer, the, the one that comes back from the grave in Pet Cemetery rather than Gabe. What a terrible right. thing to endorse. Yeah. Huh. Go ahead. So I mean, oh, hey, dude, ching and talk about. Then that. you have He's the run, and I, I'm not really as it's like big James as... Cameron endorsing Terminator Genesis. I'm sorry that I just had to <laughs> had to shit on Cameron. No, I could. but I would say you know, and I'm not as big a fan of him, but Frank Darabont, his yeah. trilogy of King films. Yeah, I actually like the last one the best. The the mist is is the one of those. Is three. that right? Yeah, more I mean, than Shawshank. Yeah, I don't really. I don't. Ooh. I don't know. Shawshank. Shawshank is great. Dude. Come on. There's kind of this cloying sentimentality to it that I just can't get over. I don't know. I That's like fascinating. I like the short. Story. A resident optimist. Is yeah. the hates human emotion. Yeah, and, and I love Tim, uh, 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 Tim Robbins. Yeah. I love uh, Morgan Freeman. I mean, yeah, I would dare you to say there's you a like lot Morgan of Freeman. a lot of wonderful elements there. Exchange fisticuffs. But, but again, it, it might have been timing too. That was the mid '90s. I was a high schooler. I was you know like I was too cool for everything. So yeah. that, that was that was too much. But um, yeah, anyways. Not that you did that, but I'm aware of feeling that that, that moment. Right, it's more recent for me. But it is, I think, you know, to Joe's point. If you look more recently at the films, these are filmmakers who haven't really gone on to do a no. whole lot of else that's been really interesting. So well, there was a period of time where it was like uh, uh, written by uh, from the book or or short story by right. Stephen King, and that was on. It was getting slapped on crappy movie after crappy movie mm-hmm. after crappy movie. Sleepwalkers. Uh, Sleepwalk. I, w- I would put Lawnmower Man in that category. I mean, oh I know, yeah. I, I mean, Lawnmower Man's terrible, okay. but that's why it's so good. But there, yeah. there, there are several. Yeah. Um, uh, but in the eighties, we're forgetting a creep show. Well, great okay. George Romero. Yes, right. That, yeah, I mean, but yeah. another another great filmmaker that yeah. took something Stephen King and made it enjoyable. Right. You don't like Creep Show? No, I love it. Okay. Yeah, and it's a product of the era. 
Yeah, it's and, so and good. Actually, it's so good. Yeah, and, Re- and Creep Show too. I'll, I'll even say Creep Show too is great as well. Running Man was pretty great too. Well, yeah. yeah, but that's so far. I mean, so far away from the uh, from the material. Right. Right. Uh, no, that 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 is a. But that movie is is the least of Schwarzenegger's work from that time period. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, are you kidding? Oh, Running Man is so bad. No, so bad it's good. Perhaps. No, <laughs> no, Running Man is fantastic. Where's Buzzsaw? Way he, better. He had to split. I mean, that's yeah. really. It's a good arm. You got cut in half. Jesse Ventura, uh, come on! This is chill Richard out. Dawson, the, the original governor. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fully on board with uh, Running Man. It's been years since I've seen it, but I get I, I I loved it when I was younger. Okay, so Carlos uh, shot his water earlier. It said his favorite, his favorite couple. David, did you have like of the list that where I mean, oh, we, it, the recent It, of course, made a billion right. dollars. It's a crappy it, movie. It too is another one that we'll, I'm sure, we'll review because I'm excited to see it because of the it's, whole King thing. Yeah. The only good thing about that was Finn Wolfhard because Finn Wolfhard's the only good thing about almost everything that he does. Is well, that, that's not true, but uh, I love Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> I just just let it on record. I'm a Finn, Finn Wolfhard stan. Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't seems know. Seems like a good kid, but yeah, that that movie was not fun. that good. I haven't. I have not seen the uh, new It Part One. You're not yet. missing anything. Oh, you haven't seen that yet. No, I have you, so, have you seen the Tim Curry? Yes. See, yeah. I have. How seen old that. were you when that came out? Probably it was around the late eighties, right? So eleven, twelve. No, it was like in the sweet spot. Your parents maybe don't want you to watch a Stephen King scary thing, but it's a Uh, television event, so you watch it anyway. And now that version of Pennywise is the scariest Pennywise. It was on ABC, wasn't it? Probably yes. See, that's the other problem with Stephen King stuff is a lot of it's television adapted on network television. You can't do Stephen King edited. Censored. You can't. You you, you can't. You rarely. I thought it can. was fairly effective. I, I haven't rewatched that one in many years, but yeah. I thought it was pretty effective. See, I find all of the TV series bad. Yeah, and I'm in the minority on some of that because people I love. Think the, it might be the stand that people love the stand. I liked that. But the yeah. stand is the best written word ever. That book. I've read it four or five times. It's my favorite thing. That's Who's ever got the written. time for that? Sorry. Who's got the time to read I'm, that I'm, four I'm, or five I'm times? I'm much older than you. I, I don't read <laughs> my Stephen King project so where I'm reading every word he's written in chronological <laughs> order. Stalls out for a while, and then I'll get like in a mad rush, and I'll and get two or three things and do some blow. Get kind of frenzy. I'll get a little blow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bear a child. I mean, whatever I've got to do <laughs> right. to resurrect them to get to the next um, cell in my Excel spreadsheet. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean. So you were saying, David? I was asking your favorites. My favorite. Well, I mean, I think we've mentioned an, a lot of them, but pretty that run in the '80s is is pretty amazing with Creep Show, The Dead Zone, um, Christine, The Christine's Stand so By Me. The the Running Man I've already met you know <laughs> yeah um, Cujo you know, is one that we haven't mentioned and again I don't think that one would probably age as well but when I was a kid it was really effective it, for, same for yeah. me that was one of my first Stephen King adapted films that I saw and I I want to say the reason I was so fixated on it was because I found the book in my mom's collection of books yeah. and it was of all of the Stephen King books she had the most um what's the word i'm looking for uh like introductory the cover no it just it wasn't like insanely long uh, oh right it was yes, the most it's shorter it's it was the most one, reasonable yeah. it was the, the mo- thinnest <laughs> it was it well it was just it was something that i felt like i actually could read front to back oh, you know right. and I remember reading, I don't know if I ever finished it, but I do remember reading some of it as a kid and being kind of freaked out by it. And then I remember finally uh, 
gaining permission to see the film and being like, shit, man, that's kind of, that's kind of yeah, fuck, you know, fucked up. <laughs> and I was like, you know, eight and I said fucked up because I was, that's how I, I talked to <laughs> an eight Because you lived on the street. Yeah. Uh, David, you were These 11. Youths. You were 11 when uh, 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 It Terry or Well, it, yeah, on it was 90, so that would have been 12. I would have uh, At the perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, in the perfect time of horror films. Right. Back when we weren't um, completely sanitized to the to these to these ideas and and the original Nightmare on Elm Street is actually scary, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Children of the Corn. See, oh, that's one. About that that's that one. movie that was the perfect. Sorry, David, did I interrupt? That movie was scary at the right age. But see, I didn't sleepover. see it. I didn't see it back then. Yeah. It's it's one that I only saw many years later, and it did not scare me. No, very much. <laughs> See, that's but that's, but Aaron, my my wife, uh, she has memories of that as a young person yeah. seeing it mm-hmm. and being totally scared, yeah. like totally creeped out by it. That's most people's perspective on the original It as well. Like I feel like almost everybody that I know saw it at a pretty young age and it freaked them out and the reason that I have never seen it is because I missed that window right? and so I know that if I go back and watch it now as an adult I'm going to be like okay whatever (laughs) Uh, which was kind of how I felt about the remake plus "Eh, decades of horror that have numbed you to what would have been scary years ago I mean there's that and there's you know you understand the language and the tropes I've been listening to um, a really great podcast lately Um, beer in a movie uh, (laughs) no I I produce beer in a movie gotcha Uh, so I I guess I do listen to it too but um, uh, it's uh, Matt Gorley um, and Paul Rust from the show Love and it's called In Voorhees We Trust okay (laughs) and they go through the entire Friday the 13th franchise film by film and they talk about it it's really really good two guys that like are deeply Uh, I'd enjoy that deeply in love with this franchise Mm -hmm. but the the way that they talk about the visual vocabulary of Friday the 13th and how even as early as like the second film they're manipulating the idea of like the killer cam and stuff like that and it's those kinds of things that if I were to go back and watch it that I would be like okay I get this trope I've seen it enough times before Mm -hmm. which is another reason I've never seen Jaws is because I feel like I've seen everything that's referenced it or that has been influenced by it. And mm-hmm. so I get, I understand the vocabulary of the film. You've never watched the original Jaws? No. Carlos. I know, I know. But I, I just I just feel like I get the cinematic <laughs> vocabulary of it in. enough that it's not going to have the same effect on me. You, you, you that can't it be would. a film reviewer and have not seen Jaws. That's not accurate. Yeah, I yeah, am yeah, and I have is. not. <laughs> no, you know, it's not. It's the birth of the blockbuster. We're like 30-something like episodes, the, episodes into this. I mean... <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I no forty. You I, can't reveal. You can't revoke his card now. I get it's too far. I get the historical significance right. of it, and I understand, you know, the way that you haven't seen Jaws. I I understand the way that a few frames change the way you view that shark. And Steven Spielberg really had to hone himself in and be like, even though we worked so hard to get this yeah, shot, we, we need it. to take these couple of things out. Otherwise, it's going to keep it from being effective. I understand that it was the first summer blockbuster. I get that it mm-hmm. you know, created this whole culture movement, and I appreciate it for those reasons. But it's great. That's a great movie. I, I'm sure that it is. Oh, yeah. But I just don't think that it's going to affect me the same way that it has affected most people because of 
how old I am and how much film I've seen and how much I understand the tropes and all of that kind of the visual elements of it. I would be willing to bet that if you were to go see a screening of it in the theater and and be surrounded by an audience and get the gasping. David, I'm going to go a step further and say the next time Alamo shows Jaws, the three of us are going to Jaws. Do you know what we're doing? Is the next time they show it on the lake in Austin. Oh yeah, we'll do that. That's that's, that's what I want to do. If I was going to see it, that's how I want to see it. Okay. on they, the let's do one or the other, whichever comes yeah, first. Because yeah. you need to see Jaws. It, but it, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> we digress. Okay, so uh, for, for Stephen King, for me, I mean, if, you, if you're if you going to ask me my favorite, I mean, nobody asked you. Of course, The Shining. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to offer it. Yeah. Of course, The Shining. And, and, and it. <sighs> It got me thinking. I mean, this conversation has got me thinking now. Uh-huh. Uh, my favorite Steve, my favorite, not the best, my favorite Stephen King novel is It. Yeah. And I get into a fight with my other good It friend because It cannot be captured on film. Mm-hmm. Of the two versions, the second one, the most recent, is the better of the two. Well, it, from what I understand, and that is a novel I did not read. I've read it so six I, times. I, Who has the time? It, it, what is it? Like a thousand it's plus a thousand pages? pages yeah. yeah. I mean... So, it's that good. Hold on, let me answer the question. It's that good to me, right? To, but it's it's so much more. I mean, I've read The Stranger like ten times in the yeah. novel, right? I mean, that's the, what the, I. There's understand. stuff in the novel they could never put on film, right? Yeah, yeah. right. That's what I'm. There's I'm a saying. very strange like, scene. Child sexuality is a tough thing. Yeah. Well, it's to kids, depict. right? No, 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 you can't sell. Okay, the written word versus the visual. Yes, form. that's yeah. what I'm saying. There is a scene. as a very, very famous scene. Is How the are they going to handle it? It's after. Well, I can tell you because you've seen the first film. After that happens. They make a pact to come back. Oh, it, oh, the part with the girl and Beverly yeah, yeah, offers yeah. herself to everybody, yeah. and everyone takes a go. Yeah, right. and it's fucking hard to read. Yeah, and it's and it's. Um, I can't even say that it makes sense. I can't even say that like you know sometimes you'll like. I'm glad they're not showing this visually, but um, but uh, but but in the context of the mm-hmm. of the work, I no, it doesn't. Someone, it doesn't someone really had told make sense. someone had told me about that part, and I that I totally forgot about. Yeah, As I handed I the book to my 16 year old son and said, "I'm gonna because he's a horror guy. Read the. I can't take you to it before you read this." And I, you know, this this tome, this. 25 pound book that I was giving him homework. He, he sailed through it. But then I, I asked him, Where are you at? And I said, There's a scene coming up. And it was the reservation of handing you the book. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But but we don't play that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. It yeah. exists. It's it a, doesn't need to be in a film. No. Uh, and the, But I was going to say, it's okay. So for me, uh, it, it didn't uh, need to be written, really. I, maybe Dead Zone. Maybe. Film wise, yeah, film wise, yeah, yeah, and then um, Christopher, Walker. like I said, uh, Shawshank Redemption. I forgive, uh, I forgive the sentimentality. I think it's, it's so well done. Again, it, it's not like I hate the film, yeah, but it's just if I'm looking at those Darabont films, I would put The Mist, and, I, the and I was a huge Tim Robbins fan. Yeah, uh, Tim uh, Robbins is great. The player, yeah. If we have an occasion Cadillac to watch Man the player, we should watch the player. It's a wonderful film for this that, that I think is overlooked. Uh, Bull Durham, you know. Durham. Uh, so when the, all of that was happening, I was in my prime movie going. Mm-hmm. You know, not too many kids around to, to get a babysitter. Let's go to every single movie that comes out. And right. I, Shawshank was a I was a big fan of. Yeah, that. yeah. The, it, the Dark Half was another one that at the time I really horrible enjoyed. book. Maybe the worst one I ever wrote. Really? Yeah, it's I so never read bad. the book. So I, bad. But, uh, that was the height of the cocaine. Was it? Yeah, <laughs> no, it really was. I mean, yeah, 
Um, but it is, it is a King like written word revival. Dr. Sleep is coming out soon. The sequel to well, the shining and the, I mean, in, in the book world. It's interesting. Really we we do seem to be in a moment. I mean, if you look at the filmography, right. And you mm-hmm. look at these films, the most recent three or four are some of the best reviewed of his book, his book uh, of, of the film adaptations. Okay. Like, you know, just, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page here. Right. And so if you look back those early eighties ones, you have, I mean, Carrie, the shining dead zone. Yeah. I mean, those are all up the, the, like overnight the burst into success. 90%. Right. Then you get kind of middling years. Obviously you have some blips there. Misery is highly ranked as is Shawshank as is uh, Dolores Claiborne. Mm. the green mile mm. blah 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 but then there's like a lot of just trash 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 but then when you hit the recent it whatever we think of it yeah got huge audience reaction of and, did, yeah. and critical accolades yeah. gerald's game which i didn't see uh has a 90 percent mm. on rotten tomatoes yeah it's a very well made film for some pretty difficult to stomach uh yeah 1922 content. was another one on netflix yep. that, that also one. got high high grades and pet cemetery isn't quite there but it is fresh it's yeah, over it's, fresh, it's over 60 yeah. percent and the, now the, you the have new one you have yeah. this yeah you have this second Iterate or the second yeah, chapter of Bill it Hader that's about to come out stuff. and that's I, supposed to be really I good think dr sleep I think this is because film reviewing used to be much more honest than it is now. Ah, I think we you also think, rely on... You think this is great inflation? I think that there is money circulating. Ooh. I, well, I think there's a lot more um, internet critics out there. That as well. And, and, who and, have no business. And podcast critics. <laughs> yeah, I know. But We're the, not counted in fucking No, we are. Tomatoes, we are. No. But we, we got to figure out a way to get that all quantized so that they can... Uh, we'll start giving numeric ratings. That's right. On the patented beer in a movie scale, we give it three full glasses. <laughs> we, we should do it from like single... Three pints up. Single to... That movie's skunky. Single <laughs> to quadruple dry hopped. <laughs> is this movie, which movie is it? This movie gets a doppelbock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, but it, but it one is to ten ABV. I mean, so whether and you might be right there. You might be right that we're looking at a little bit of great inflation. Although, hey, the Dark Tower, which was right before this recent sort of upswing, yeah. big flop, one of his worst reviewed films, and that's a, in and a that's long time. in the Stephen King written word fandom. The Dark Tower probably mm-hmm. cannot be put to film. Not yeah. the comics not with good. the scope and the and the. Uh, the imagination because that, that was he like puts what like page. a twelve book series seven. or something seven okay it was a, but it was a long one it, uh, it, it, he did it uh, over many 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 years yeah it took a very long break right a lot of comics they made them into graphic novels mm-hmm. yeah a lot of them huh okay but it'll be interesting and, and so the best yeah. ever shining. Okay. Yeah, I was bringing I mean, it back to that. The best, and the if I, I have to pick one, it's going to be either The Shining or Dead Zone. Yeah, the, it's those the are shining. the two. Come on. So for The Shining, the idea that he hates this film, mm-hmm. and he has hey, uh, publicly Kubrick spoiled my words. No, Kubrick put made a film mm-hmm. based on on a clear, clearly connected subject matter. Yeah, right. But he made it cinematic. Yeah. And he couldn't have the... Uh, he decided that he couldn't have the uh, uh, the animals that you cut out of bushes, the topiary animals, right, right. come to life. Yeah. To, that was not going to cinematically be a thing to do. But what we can do instead is make the hotel basically a character. Yeah. And... Uh, 
it, it, as opposed to the Stephen, I'm sorry, the Shining miniseries, which was vignettes in a scary hotel. Is that right? So I've uh, never yeah. seen the miniseries. It's it's, yeah. it's not that good. But you know that the written, but that's closer to his written word, right? And uh, you know, the Shining novel can be a different experience in the Shining film, right? That's okay. Yeah, they have to be. There's no way you can't change it when you adapt. The Godfather is the best movie ever made. If you read the Godfather book, they took out things that shouldn't have even ever been written down. It's not a great, it's not a great book. Sure, yeah. yeah. But you can take the subject matter and turn it right. into a cinematic experience, and we can do two different things. Right. And Stephen King is too powerful for his own good in that respect. But I think that in his older age, he's releasing a little bit of that. And, yeah. and, and, we, you know, and you've touched upon some of these series. There have been some of those that have been... Uh, Critically acclaimed that the I never saw the eleven twenty two sixty three thing, but I knew a lot of people I watched were excited that. about I, that. I watched. I read that book twice. I uh, like that Hulu. book a lot. Yeah, yeah, I heard a lot of good things about that. The series was not that I great. Did, I did try mm. under. But the, how can you have done time trial? I mean, yeah. yeah, I did try under the dome, and I was not as impressed with that. I didn't but, finish uh, that one. I didn't yeah, think that book was very good. Yeah. And then the television series, I didn't care about. Yeah. Well, although it was Hank from Breaking Bad's follow-up to Breaking was, Bad, I was hoping was. good things for him. All right, yeah, anyway, you know he's doing Breaking fine. Bad's okay. So you know we we talking about some of these better adaptations, talking about some of these films that maybe gave us a little bit more of a positive vibe. Um, did the Milkshake Dreams bring bring some more positivity to our palates? We drank a lot of really good beer on this podcast. Yeah, and a lot of it has been a milkshake IPA with fruit elements. Yeah, we have tasted many better. Milkshade IPAs with fruit elements than this one right here. I I don't disagree with that. I do think when I drink this back to back with the nightmare uh, that we just had before, literally nightmare brewing, but um, it, it wasn't really a nightmare flavor wise. But it was not as po- not as good of an experience. This one I like more. This this one I did, is I did enjoy from a it you know I don't think it's the best milkshake IPA that I've had, but I like the vanilla. Um, I wasn't getting a ton of fruit, so I, I don't know that the, the guava is really coming through, but I don't know that guava is, is a really, you know, sort of out there Forceful. fruit. Right. Um, but, you know, it was, it was tasty. I got some fruity flavors in it. Yeah. Not super strong, but uh, I thought it was well balanced with, I mean, I think if you're going to do a milkshake IPA, there should probably be some vanilla involved. Yeah. Um, if this was being served at my local brewery, yeah. I, I'd grab a glass of this every once in a sure. while. Sure. Yeah. But, I'd, but, I'd buy another can of that. Yeah. Would you? I liked it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, I mean, you know, not the best milkshake IPA I've ever had. Right. Uh, but a good one. Yeah. It was, I think, serviceable. It was, uh, l- like you said, if it, if it was something that was on the shelf and it was easy to get, I would grab it again. I'm not going to go out of my way to, to try yeah. it. Yeah. But see, that's me anyway with an IPA. I don't want all that fruity frou-frou in there. Yeah. Yeah, you want bitterness and But grossness. if I get it, if yeah. I get it, I want it to be exceptional. And I feel like this isn't a departure enough from a great IPA without it's the fruit than of the vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Drew is the best movie ever. It is. <laughs> well, folks, I I, th- I think we're, uh, we're we're <laughs> I think we're coming to a point where we uh, need to put a pin in this one, and uh, we thank you for having listened to our uh, musings on Stephen King and some recent adaptations, some older ones. Um, perhaps we'll we'll touch back on this with one of these future adaptations in a. Then again, maybe we won't. <laughs> Carlos, I'm going to put a uh, 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 one of his novellas in your hand. Will you read it? 
Yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> it is called The Long Walk. It is one of his first works ever. Right. Okay. Okay, so you can find us on, uh, on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX, and of course, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com. Uh, uh, if you're listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please rate, review, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Um, stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to be getting a little farther out there yeah. than we did this time. Yeah, a little uh, trippier, a little more neon. Uh, <laughs> a lot more neon. A lot more neon than this one. Um, so that's been it for this time. Until then, Carlos has never seen Jaws. <laughs> <laughs>